we can open to Romans chapter 3. Let's pray. Uh, I know, Lord, uh, most of us here are born again. Most of us have had a saving uh, ex- uh, experience with, with Jesus Christ. But this word is still here. And I think that we need to know and we need to be able to share effectively. And Lord, like I say, you know, historical Christianity, we, eh, I mean, we get it. Uh, Christianity wasn't born in a vacuum. There is a historicity, but we don't want to have a historical relationship with you. We want to have a current relationship with you. Keep us current. Keep it, help us to focus on the here and the now. And we think that's what you want as well, Lord. So take us opportunity, Spirit of God, to speak to our hearts and teach us the things you'd have us know. In Jesus' name, amen. And I, I say this, well, I, I got this, I'm saved. Ta-da! I went through all the negatives and I, I, I've navigated my own personal vessel through those shoals, through those shipwreck places, and I've come to the place of true truth, salvation. I'm a product of the salvation of Jesus Christ. So Romans has got nothing for me. <laughs> That's one, silly on the face of it, right? But two, again, I, I, I'm a, I'm a, I don't want to be historical. I, I, I read this and it thrills me anew as I even think about 40, whatever years, 42 years ago now. Uh, I, was, I was this ridiculous person. We talked about last week, you know, the, the four different ways that people are generally lost. And I think there's only four ways. With some slight tweaking, everyone fits into one of these categories. Well, I think at least Paul thinks so. So I, I looked at it. I was, I was rule keeper. I was a religious guy. And I was, I, was, I was going to hell as surely as some pagan, some anti-God atheist. We were going to go to the same hell. And God reached down in my life and saved my soul, changed my forever. How do you not get excited about that? So the, I think the, the fresh, reading this is kind of, it's kind of like awaken, like a fresh thoughts in my heart anyway. What advantage then hath the Jew, or what profit is there of circumcision? Wait, what? Listen, chapter 3, verse 1 isn't in a vacuum. Paul said, paganism that's not going to get you righteous. That tends towards the flesh and unrighteousness, specifically homosexuality, and we talked about that. Well, then I'm going to be a moralist. I'm going to be judgmental, and that won't work either because the things that you're judging in others, you set up a moral argument like there's things that are right and things that are wrong, but you yourself know that you're doing things that you count as wrong. It doesn't work. And then there's nomianism, rule-keeping. Rule Most of the religions of the world, Catholicism, which I'm very familiar with, Islam, even Judaism uh, fits into this category of keeping rules. Uh, this is one of the ones that I think are most prevalent in America. You know, I do the right things and I don't do the wrong things. I'm fit for heaven doesn't work because we don't do the right things and we don't abstain from doing the wrong things. That's the problem. Even God says, oh, you make your own law? I'll judge you by your own law and you'll still fail. <laughs> Isn't that maddening? 
and it's true. And then the Jews says, well, listen, I'm following rules, but I'm following the right rules. These are the rules that were handed down by God from Sinai. I'm good because I'm Jewish. And now he's saying, not so fast. Verse 25 of chapter 2, circumcision, when he's saying circumcision and uncircumcision, you could think in terms of a medical procedure. I would suggest Think in terms of Jew and Gentile. It's his shorthand for him saying, people who are of the Jewish religion and ethnicity, they've conformed to what was handed down from uh, God on Mount Sinai through Moses. Circumcision. Okay, you guys have nothing to do with that. Your deepest, darkest Rainforest people, never heard of God, never heard of Jesus Christ, uncircumcision. Okay, that's, that's what, how, they, how, how he's devolving. There's two categories, Jew and Gentile. And he, he's saying circumcision, uncircumcision, okay? Now, circumcision, you circumcision people, it, circumcision verily profiteth. If thou keep the law, <laughs> does anyone, not according to the rest of this chapter, chapter 3. But if you are, uh, be a breaker of the law, your circumcision is made uncircumcision. There's still Jews today who believe that Father Abraham is at the gates of hell. And if anyone should happen there who's Jewish, say, no, 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 you don't belong here and you'll redirect them to heaven. By virtue of the fact that they are Jewish. There are still people who believe that. I'm Jewish. I'm okay. I'm okay. And he's saying... No, not so fast. And so he knocks down that argument of Jewish only just, just by virtue of the fact I'm Jewish, I get to go to heaven. He's saying, no, it's not the way it is. So now chapter 3, verse 1. Well, what's the sense of being Jewish then? God called a people to himself, and I'm that people group. I'm of that. And you're saying, that's not good enough. What's, what's the sense? What's the purpose? What advantage then hath the Jew, what profit is there in circumcision? Now listen, I'll tell you the argument. Much in every way. Being Jewish is very cool, according to Paul. Then you say, well, I get to go to heaven? And Paul's saying, not that cool. Okay, it's, there's, there's some benefits, but the benefit doesn't devolve into you. Because you're physically a descendant of Abraham, you get to go, go to heaven. And this is his argument here, and this is where we find ourselves uh, here this morning. What advantage then hath the Jew? Or what profit is there of circumcision? Much every way. Chiefly because unto them were committed the oracles of God. He's saying oracles, what's oracles? Just think of it as the word of God was handed to Jewish people. The Jews wrote the entire Bible with the possible exception of Luke and many people think he was Jewish. I personally don't. But whether he was or he wasn't, if there was no Jewish people, there would be no Bible, humanly speaking, of course. And that's his point. Hey, exhibit A, the Bible. We don't need an exhibit B. This is such an awesome thing. I talked to, there's one guy at work, and I like him well. He's a good worker. He's a good kid. I like, I just like him. I don't know. And he's Jewish, but not really. 
And when, you know, you t- and he talks about it. He says, you know, people, uh, I t- uh, his late greats were Jewish, and some of them were very orthodox. He's not. And he's kind of like, yeah, whatever, reincarnation. If I don't get it right this time around, I'll, I'll get it next time. And I asked him, I said, are you observant? Do you keep, you know, Passover? Do you keep, you know, this and that? And this? no, no, not really. Yeah, a little bit. Uh, no. You know, kind of, he's really ambiguous about it. I think about, okay, you have this wonderful heritage, if nothing else. And it doesn't mean anything. Even I, who am not Jewish, obviously, think like, ah, oh, what a waste. Uh, and you got, you got, you got the, the book came through you. Uh, and okay, maybe you don't believe in the New Testament. They call it the Brit, uh, Brit Hadashah, the New Testament. That's the, the Hebrew phrase for it. So they have the Tanakh. And he doesn't even know the Tanakh. He doesn't even know his own Bible, even a little bit. And I'm thinking, oh, Isaiah, <laughs> the Psalms, the Proverbs. Oh, 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 Song of Solomon, Joshua, like maybe my favorite Old Testament book. And you ain't get any of it? And he's like, no, it's, it's an advantage. You got the oracles of God. For, but now, he starts doing this. I do this too on Sunday morning. I answer objections that nobody's objecting to. Well, you're not objecting to it, but somebody has. That's where I come up with them. These, uh, I, I'm always answering uh, this imaginary critic. He's not so imaginary. I've had the discussions. So have you. Paul's answering imaginary critics, and I don't, I, don't, I don't know, is the Holy Spirit of God directing this, or is these discussions he's actually had? Probably both, and I'm sure that the Holy Spirit of God is superintending, but I'm thinking these, these, these questions that he's addressing come from someplace, and there's probably people who have said these, or th- th- things very similar. So he's answering objections in advance to this Okay, I'm going to publish this letter, and I know what people are going to say because he's already had the conversations. What if some did not believe? Shall their unbelief make the faith of God without effect? In other words, God saved the Jewish people, but all the Jewish people aren't saved. Well, didn't God drop the ball? Didn't God not follow through with his commitment? Didn't God... He, he had faith in the Jewish people and his faith wasn't justified because, guess what? We have Jewish atheists. They seem to have all found their way on the Supreme Court of the United States. I, don't even ask me how that works, okay? Um, there was a very short time ago, the court was made up of, I think it was four Catholics and five Jewish people, or maybe it was vice versa. And they were handing down these two bodies of people who were supposed to be imbued with virtue and knowledge of God and handing down some of those ungodly decisions. But that's a story for another time. Uh, but, but, uh, but I use that for an illustration. You're, you're, what if some, there are those who do not believe. Karl Marx was Jewish. Did he not believe? Mm, I'm guessing he didn't, if you've read any of his works. You know what I'm saying? And Jewish unbelievers, that's not, that's not hard to find, 
hard to find one. So God, what's the problem here? You chose these people, but I don't think you chose them very good because guess what? They, they have unbelief. No, he says, God forbid. Um, you will have a version that will say something like, may it never be. And that's the, it means God forbid. <laughs> no way. No way is what he's saying. God forbid. Yea, let God be true, but every man a liar. As it is written, that thou mightest be justified in thy sayings and might overcome when uh, thou art judged. He's quoting, and you wouldn't uh, see it, Psalm 62 and Psalm 51, verse 4. Psalm 51 is a case study. And by the way, you know, when the Bible quotes the Old Testament, think of it like a, a hyperlink, like you would come and you would be reading something on a computer and it would have a link, and you click that and you go to the web page and you find out more about it. I think Paul is kind of, uh, kind of assuming that. Say, Paul would know nothing about web pages. No, but he would know about paper pages that you would go and you would say, oh, I see his argumentation. He's only quoting a verse, but you've got to know the whole story a lot of times. Like, do you know the story of Psalm 51? We'll get there. I finished Psalm 41. Uh, that'll be on tonight. Um, sometimes, well, always, I, I, I pre-do them. So, and when I'm teaching on Sunday night, it's not live. It's already recorded. But I, I did Psalm 41, so Psalm 51's and 10 more. It's about David after he had had illicit relationship, well, adultery with Bathsheba. He had had Uriah killed, and he married Bathsheba. And now he comes to the place of repentance when Nathan comes in and says, he gives him that story about the ewe lamb and the, you know, the traveler and David is infuriated that this guy took this guy's one lamb and, and made a, a meal out of that rather than from his own flocks and herds. David's like, that guy's going to die. And then he realizes, wait a second, no, but he's got to pay fourfold. And Nathan says, uh, Dave, that guy's you. By the way, Nathan's a giant, isn't he? He's a, he's a rock star, in my thinking. He goes into the king, looks him right in the eye, and says, you've got to repent. Well, what, what happens? David does repent. And David doesn't have Nathan killed or anything like that. As a matter of fact, he names a, a kid after him later on. Story for another time. But So Paul is suspecting that we know the story. And if you read Psalm 51, he says, you know, against you and you alone have I sinned. It's not like, and he's saying, you're right to judge me. And, the, and we have to know that going forward, because that's the under, undermining of the argument. Well, God dropped the ball. No, God's righteous, David's saying. The problem is with me. It's not with God. And so, you know, we look and we say, uh, well, you know, God chose the Jewish people. Look at them. We have a few Jewish believers. We got Jonathan Kahn and we got, you know, people who we listen to and we like a lot and ones like that who are Jewish, but they believe in Jesus Christ. But for the most part, we're looking at a secular state and even those ones who are religionists, they kind of had this Talmudic Judaism. They don't have like true belief in 
yod Hey vav Hey God. And what's the problem? God, when you selected, you didn't do so good. And he's saying, no, 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 God is true. Let every man be a liar, that thou mightest be justified in thy sayings and mightest overcome when thou art judged. So the next question is, but if our righteousness commends the, if our unrighteousness commends the righteousness of God, what shall we say? Is God unrighteous who taketh vengeance? I speak as a man. This is a totally human argument, he's saying. Uh, he's saying, what, 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 what's going on here? Okay, we speed down the highway, and that gives rise to the uh, police, the, the state trooper, the, the officer of the law, pulling us over and giving us a ticket. So what are you giving us a ticket for? I just showed you the system works. I just, so we, go, we drag him into court, and I say, what, how come I'm not being commended? I'm showing everyone the tremendous jurisprudence of central Maine justice system. What, what is your contention? What's your problem? That's a silly human argument, isn't it? That's the argument, and that's what he's addressing. He's saying, uh, w- when I am unrighteous, that demonstrates God's grace, and it puts God in a really favorable light. So why is he picking on me? Listen, those of you who sinned a lot, have you realized something? Where sin abounds, grace does much more abound. I know apologies for saying that. I've lived that. I mean, I know I, I sent up a storm and God says, Adam, I love you. Why are you choosing this? And he just swallows me up in his love. Oh, sometimes we're behind the woodshed. I know that from my personal experience, okay? But mercy triumphs over justice. And my sin puts God in a real favorable light. I'm telling you, there's no earthly reason why he should have saved me, except his awesome... That that was a good place for an amen, by the way. You want me to tee it up again? You guys want another swing at it? Look, he's awesome God. And my sin proves that. My continuing sin proves that. Uh, so if our righteousness commend the right, uh, my unrighteousness, my sin commands or demonstrates the righteousness of God. What shall we say? Is God unrighteous and taketh vengeance? We shouldn't be behind the tooth yet. He should be commending me. I should be getting praise and adulation. Look at my sinning son, how awesome he is, and I still love him. Well, is that, that is true. But that's not, no. That's not, no. <laughs> uh, if our righteousness demonstrates the righteous God, what you'll say is God unrighteous takes vengeance. I speak as a man. No, God forbid. That's silly. For then, how shall God judge the world? He doesn't judge me. He just lets me run rampant. He just lets me do uh, my thing and send up a storm. And God says, "Oh, there, there. You're doing a great job." David sins. A righteous man, after God's own heart, he sins and he demonstrates God's glory, God's grace, God's mercy. It's very commendable. No, it's not. And God judges him, by the way, severely. We can choose to sin and then, of course, we choose to suffer. Have you heard me say that before? We can choose our sin, but we can't choose God's method of disciplining us ever. Um, so I, take, I make this disastrous choice. 
what happens? Well, it's, if the choice is bad enough, I lose my ministry. If the choice is really bad, I lose my marriage. If the choice is really, really, really bad, I might lose my life. You see what I'm saying? It's a, it's a, it's a silly argument. So then I should sin all the time and never do right, and then God is awesome. Look at how awesome he is forgiving me and letting me just... No, how could he judge the world? How could he say anything was wrong? And that's Paul's po point here. Is God unrighteous who takes vengeance? I speak as a man. God forbid, how then shall God judge the world? And God does judge the world. If the truth of God, verse 7, hath more abounded through my lie unto his glory, <laughs> why yet am I also judged as a sinner? You see the point, and I've kind of already made it. What then? Uh, and not rather, as we, slant, as we be slanderously reported, and as some affirm that we say, let us do evil that good may come, whose damnation is just. He doesn't even dignify this with an answer. Hey, I'm going to send up the storm. You know why? Because God is going to be shown so gracious, so awesome, so wonderful. And by the way, will that happen? Yeah. So let's all send up a storm. No. No, the sin, still, sin is bad. Still, sin has this death. The wages of sin is death. It has a death principle worked in. I, I already said, if I sin in such and such a way, I don't get to do this anymore. If I sin in such and such a way, I'm not married to Suze Kasperzak anymore. That just, excuse me while I just cry for a second, even the, the thought of that. Horrific. Horrific. So what is it? I sin up a storm so that I'm not even going to dignify that. In the Let us do evil that good may come. Yeah, their damnation is just is what he's saying. And by the way, it is. Okay? That's not, that's not the argument either. What then shall we say? Verse 9. Are we better than they? Now, Paul, the member of the Sanhedrin, the one who was brought up by Gamaliel, a Pharisee of Pharisees, Jewish, of the tribe of Benjamin, is saying, are we, and he's writing to the leadership of the Roman church, ostensibly other Jewish men, some, and he's saying, are we, Jewish people, better than they, non-Jewish people? That's a good question. Because you wonder about that. These are God's chosen people, you have said. Are we better than they? Paul saying. Now, it's one thing for us to say, hey, they're no better than us, and drag them down to our level, so to speak. It's another thing for the, the Jew of Jews to say, no, we're not any better than them. Now, appreciate what he's saying here. Are we better than they? No, 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 in no wise. For we have proved both Jews and Gentiles that they are all under sin. He says at the end of chapter 2, when they get to heaven and the judge before him, God doesn't make a distinction. He's no respecter of persons. I'm judging you this way, I'm judging you this way, I'm judging you. Nobody gets, nobody gets a hall pass. Nobody gets, you, you, you see what I'm saying? And he, he's saying that again. Uh, are we better than they? No, no of course not. Uh, we've already stated, both Jew and Gentiles, they are all under sin. Well, that's very important to know. That's very important for you to know when you're sharing the gospel with your, with your friends and your loved ones. Now he goes on this, I, I, I say tirade, uh, and I hope that's not a negatively charged word. He goes on, he's, there's probably a lot of energy and emotion when he's saying this. Uh, as it is written... Where's it written? Well, Psalm 14. 
Were you there when we were going through it? Psalm 14, 1 through 3. There is none righteous. And so I know somebody right now is thinking, well, yeah, I, but, you know, I had this on Sally who, uh, no, not one. <laughs> he's going he's gonna to head you off there, right? Yeah, well, you know, my grandmother, she was a, uh, no, not one. Not one. Because I think we all think like, and I've been at the funeral of a good person who wasn't a, a believer in Jesus Christ. I wrestle with the same things you wrestle with. Hey, listen, just talking about it this morning, okay, someone had died and a godly person. I've been at the grace side of both the godly and the ungodly. Any of you have too. And you have too. And it is dramatically different when I know this person trusted Christ as their Savior, and they lived it out, and they were a, 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 not like in a, yeah, when they were eight, they went forward in their good news club, and they got saved, and they never did another thing in their whole blessed life to ever demonstrate that Christ had any, that's a different category, right? We don't feel wonderful about that, but think about somebody who loved the Lord, and they were all about Jesus Christ all the time, and then they die, and we think, Glory for them. Oh, oh yeah, you still miss. I, I, I know, I know, I know, because I've had people in both categories. And by the way, so I'm dealing with somebody, and they say, so what are you saying? My grandfather's in hell? Uh, it, no. Is that above your pay grade? Because it's above mine. I don't consign. You know, if you're, if you're like a missionary, and you're, you're dealing with some people who are like, uh, they worship their ancestors and you're coming with the gospel and they're thinking what about the late greats what are the ones who have died before hey let them think that all the way through if they come to you and say is you know my aunt my grandmother my uncle my late greats are they in hell I, I will tell you this the gospel of Jesus Christ saves, and the gospel of Jesus Christ saves alone, and I'm not going to soften that for anybody's comfort ever. But I will tell you this. God never came to me and said, what do you think, Adam? It's all up to you, buddy. That has happened a total of zero times. <laughs> I trust it will never happen. Okay? But if my late greats, and by the way, I'm just going to be honest with you. I don't know any I don't know anyone with the last name Casper Zach who I'm sure in my own thinking is going to be with the Lord. What a hard statement that is. Zero people. What do I do with that? Join them in hell? What what, what's, your, what's your point? What, you know what I mean? So if I say, well, you've got to trust Christ, and they would say, well, he, he never did. My grandfather, he never did. These words here didn't evaporate. There is none righteous, no, not one. Now, having shared that with you and you putting you, consigning your grandfather the deepest, darkest hell forever, I look at the page as it's written, there is none righteous, no, not one. It hasn't changed. Adam, you're a hard-hearted... I'm not. I promise you, I'm not. 
I, I came to grips with this, and I'm in the face of people had already died when I got to learning this. People, my, my, my grandparents, my, most of them, and I know that they were fine religious people, and I know that religion will damn you quicker than anything I know. I'm not cavalier. I'm, 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 in, your, I'm in your shoes. I, I, know what, I know what I'm... But the Word of God can't change to suit our... I believe people who have trusted in Jesus Christ go to heaven. And I ple- believe that people who haven't don't. And, I, and Scripture clearly tells us that. Yeah, but they were a good person. I've been at the funeral of a good person. And these words are still true. There is none righteous, no, not one. Now, I've called this total depravity of the tulip formulation of uh, Calvinists. They believe in total depravity. And so when I was applying for Calvary Chapel pastor membership, they quizzed me on this. And I cited, yeah, Romans 3, verse uh, 10 throughout here. And I you know, wrote it all out in longhand and, and sent in my application. They said, that's not what total depravity means. And there are those who take it a step further. But I think this is what it means to be... Th- listen, there's none righteous, no, not one. Not even one. Not even your late greats. Not even your... The one who took you up, brought you up and loved you and was very kind to you and took you in. And I, We all have that person in our lives. We have pe- people we loved and we admired and who on the outside looking in. They never trusted Christ. I'm not hard-hearted. I'm you. I'm, I, I'm, 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 I can't change the Word of God. Stinks being me right now, doesn't it? But I'm not, I don't think ever changing the Word of God to, it doesn't, it doesn't fix anything. There is none righteous nor one. There is none that understandeth. There is none that seeketh after God. What about seeker services? <laughs> wow, that's a kind of a fool's errand in light of that verse, right? There is none that understandeth in and of yourself, of your own volition. I mean, your own, you know, I got God figured out pretty much. No, you don't. No, you don't. There's no one that understands. There is none that seeketh after God. We seek after pleasure. We seek after the fulfillment of the flesh. We seek after fame. We seek after fortune. And people say, well, I'm, I'm searching. I'm saying, no, you aren't. And you know why I know that? Because if you seek, you find. That's what Jesus said, and he's no liar. If you were really seeking God, like you say you're seeking God, because I talk to people, so don't you think I'd like to believe if I could? No, because there's moral implications and you have to do what the boss tells you to do. If there's a creator, guess what? You're accountable to him. No, I don't believe that at all. And it, usually with a little prodding, they'll come to that place where they agree and say, yeah, that's, yeah, I don't want there to be a God. I don't want there to be a universe like that where I have to answer to a God. There was none that seeketh after God. People say, well, I'm searching for God, but I'm not finding him. Yeah, like a, like a criminal searching for a cop, you're searching for God. Don't stop that. I was born at night, but it wasn't last night. Why are you playing those games anyway? These mental gymnastics, like you're trying to convince me of something. 
<sighs> there is none that seeketh after God. They are all gone out of the way. And as he draws his net close, because we're going somewhere, we're going to the whole world guilty before God, the end of verse 19. They are all gone out of the way. They are all together become unprofitable. There is none that doeth good. No, not one. And I understand a good person. I know what you're saying when you say that. But what you know what the long and short of it is? Hey, you can be a good person without Jesus Christ. So you're consigning perhaps your children to hell and you're a good person? Hey, follow me. I know the way. You could be a good person without God. Really? I don't, I don't think that's very good at all. They're all gone out of the way. They've become unprofitable. There's none to do with good. No, not one. Now he goes on. Is all these true things true about all of us? Well, judge for yourself. He's saying their throat, their unbelieving throat, is an open sepulcher, open tomb, right? Open grave. With their tongues they have used deceit. Like, for instance, telling me that they're seeking God. That's deceitful. Don't, don't, don't go there. Don't play that with me. With their tongues they have used deceit. The poison of asps is under their lips. Nasty snakes, right? That will kill you to death. What, what do you mean? Well, you know, you could be good without Jesus Christ. Oh my goodness, that is poison. That's toxic. Spit that out. That, that'll kill you to death. Uh, their mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Destruction and misery are in their ways. All the way of peace they have not known. They certainly haven't known peace with God. I think that was the thing in my, early in my salvation experience that wiped me out the most. Me and God were on the same team. And he loved me, and I knew it. And I was like, who, 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 suspect, who saw that coming? Did any of you get saved knowing that that was going to happen? Because it totally took me by surprise. I just wanted fire insurance. I wanted a get-out-of-hell card. That's all I wanted. That's all I was in for. God, if you just save me and I don't go to hell, I don't care if you just let me in the gates. and I'll stay right here on the peripheral. I'll be like the... The, the town drunk of heaven. I don't even care. Just let me in the gates. Just let, and uh, no, 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 no. You're my son. I've adopted you. I love you. I, I'm, my thoughts toward you are more than the, sea, the sand by the seashore. I'm just like, who is this God? Did, did, was, was that peace with God? Peace. How about sonship? We're on the same team now. It, that, that totally blew me away. Some of you, just one of you, nod and say, Adam, I'm feeling you. I get it, because that was my experience too. Am I the only one in the room who, who had this experience with God? Come on. Um, this, uh, but this is why I'm so excited. When I go through this, I'm thinking like, I'm getting the, like the first emotions back that I had that first love. I'm, get, I'm, I'm like revisiting some of those things. I was... I, maybe I just have a good memory. I was so wiped out by how good God was. Because he was always this like killjoy in the sky, ready to cloud up and rain all over me. And by the way, I believe he was, and I believe he should have been. But he wanted to love me. He wanted to draw me into his forever family. I, I never, again, I never suspected that. The way of peace they have not known, and there is no fear of God before their eyes. And I have... I'm going to indict America. I want to indict them right here. There's no fear of God before their eyes. That's the, I think that's the big, the big ticket item. 
even those who acknowledge that he may exist, they give him, like, I call it benevolent, benevolent grampy syndrome. There's no teeth in God. There's no, I don't have to worry. I'll be before him and he'll just like, yeah, whatever. You did the best you could. Because we all know that's the standard, right? <laughs> Not at all. Now, we know that what things soever the law saith, it saith to them who are under the law that every mouth may be stopped and all the world may be, become guilty before God. Would to God that happens in my lifetime. It's going to happen. It's going to happen in my lifetime. I think I'll be watching it from the mezzanine. But the, what the law says is, hey, shut up. You're not the righteous one. You're not the God seeker. You're not, your, your, your tongue is, uh, uh, poison comes out of your mouth. You're, 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 you're not what you think you are. That's what the law is telling us. Uh, and all the world is, has become and is guilty before God. Adam, you know, you just condemn like billions and billions and billions of people. No, not at all. I haven't condemned anyone. I'm telling you what the Bible says. And the Bible condemns everybody. Whether I believe it or not. And whether you believe it or not. But I do believe it. I absolutely, positively do believe it. You say, wow, the gospel's hard. No. No. No, no, no. Au contraire, mon frère. Listen, we're going to get to... I was going to stop here, but I want to get to verse 22, and I want to turn the corner just a little bit to show you how God is not this big cosmic meanie that everyone thinks he is. What he's saying is, in and of yourself, you ain't going to get there. But I've got a way... And this is what the, the good news is. And I say the bad news has to be presented first. I have to know that I'm lost before I get saved. It's just the way it is. If I think, no, I'm all right, me and God, we get an understanding. We're just, psh, you kidding? Me and the G-man, we're cool. And I don't have to do religion. I don't have to do church. I mean, we get an understanding. He knows me. He, he gets me. No fear of God? I guess not. And I guess I was probably in that category one time. There's no fear of God before their eyes. Now we know that what things sober the law saith, it saith to them who are under the law, that every mouth may be stopped and all the world may become guilty before God. Well, I'm a, Adam, I'm a perfect law keeper. Oh, please. Then why did we have, the, why did we have this saying, this ubiquitous, everyone says this saying, nobody's perfect. Why do we say that? You're keeping the law, huh? The law says, and James tells us, hey, you're keeping all the law, you offend in one point, you're guilty, you're a lawbreaker. Lawbreakers go to hell. This is what the book is telling us. That's hard. No, it's only hard if you're trying to do it by yourself. I would commend that you don't try to do it by yourself. Therefore, by the deeds of the law shall no flesh be justified in his sight, for by the law is the knowledge of sin. Why are there, I, I'm, I'm ex-Catholic, and by the way, we've, we've gone over this. Don't come up and tell me you know a saved Catholic. Duh, I do too. I was one. Okay, don't, don't go there. Okay? The Catholic Church teaches that if I keep the law, their law, and they have their particulars, you know, Got to go to church every Sunday or it's a mortal sin. And they have mortal sins and they have venial sins. 
But I'm cool if I go to the priest and I say, yeah, I missed church on Sunday and I, I stole some supplies from the office and I'm, I made a pass at the tr- secretary at work because I'd really like to, well, never mind that. And Oh, yeah, it's cool. Say three Hail Marys and you're good. If, by the way, if rule keeping was the way to go, why would there be a mechanism in place for what happens when you don't keep the rules? Anyway, By the deeds of the law shall no flesh be justified. Would to God that those who consider themselves Romans, Roman Catholics, would read this book. I thought, by the way, I get verse got saved. I thought I'm going to bring this home. I'm going to share it with mom and dad. I'm going to share it with all my brothers, and they all get on board and say, "Ah, it was hiding right there in the open. We never saw it." Silly person that I was. How many how many uh, of my family members have I shared the gospel with in the last 42 years? Zero. And I'm on the radio, right? All he has to turn on the radio and hear my voice. I bring it right into their house, and no one's ever. How many of them have heard me preach? I think zero. Ah, I wish to God that everyone who says that they're religious of any kind would read this verse. By the deeds of the law, there shall no flesh be justified. Because all the ones I know believe that, yeah, if I do the do's and don't do the don'ts, and then when I do the don'ts, I go into confession, get it all taken care of, I'm all set. By the deeds of the law shall no flesh be justified. In his sight. For by the law is the knowledge of sin. What does the law teach us? It teaches us that we're sinners. It is not a mechanism for salvation. It never was. It never will be. That is the point of the law. And we're told that many places in Scripture. If this was the only one, I'd say, that is an outlier. Maybe this doesn't fit in. Maybe I don't understand it. Maybe. No, no, we're told all through Scripture. It's a schoolmaster. It, it, it teaches us. It shows us that we're, not, that we're not the law-abiding people that we thought we were. That's what it's for. Does it work? Oh, tremendously. Paul says so, and he'll say that later on. We get to that when we get to that. But he says, I, you know, I, I was doing a pretty good job until I get to thou shalt not covet, and then I'm like, oh, I'm a lawbreaker because I covet all the time. And I don't know what your particular thing is where you're breaking it the most, but we've all, we're, all, we're all in the same sorry place. We're, we're, we're pitiful. We're miserable. We're out on the outside looking in. Saying, well, Adam, you paint a pretty grim picture. But it's a biblical grim picture. Now, <laughs> now, we've set, we set the table for some, some turnabout here, for some, some good news. But now the righteousness of God, without the law or apart from the law, is manifested. It's clear, is what he's saying. Being witnessed by the law and the prophets. In other words, it's in Moses, and it's in Isaiah, and it's in Jeremiah. This isn't a new idea. This isn't a New Testament concept. Grace by faith in God, salvation by grace through faith, is always the mechanism how people got saved, and it's never been any different. Um, Back in chapter 1, Verse 16, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. It is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that obeys. To everyone that 
behaveth. No, to everyone that believeth. So he started off with the good news right at the beginning. And then he had to go back and say, okay, let me make my case why this is so. Okay? And we understand. And we're in a room where everyone, we got this. We're all on the same page. Pretty much everyone has said, yeah, I, I get it. Believe in Jesus Christ, salvation. Do not believe in Jesus Christ, no salvation. And that's what he did in chapters 2 and 3. He built his case. I don't care what, how you divide it. I don't care what division you're in. I don't care what section you're in. It's, it's damnable. It's going to end not how you want it to end. Now, the righteousness of God, apart from the law, it's, it's clear. It's obvious. It's, it's been made manifest. And it's witnessed by the law and the prophets. Isn't that exciting? In the mouth of two or three witnesses, may every word be established. Well, we get the law telling us that we can't keep the law, and we get the prophets, the enforcers telling us we don't keep the law, and the clear way is repent. And then, of course, all through Scripture, is, it's like God took a salt shaker and he sprinkled all through the Old Testament Jesus Christ, clearly. Clearly. And this is the great discovery of the book of Psalms. You know, we have these things called messianic Psalms where the quote of the New Testament being clearly messianic. You can make an argument that all psalms are messianic. And by the way, I would agree with that. You wouldn't get a fight all out of me because all the psalms and all the Old Testament and everything speaks about Jesus Christ. When Jesus resurrects, the first thing he does is he has a seven-mile Bible study with some people, with a couple going to Emmaus and tells them all scripture concerning I love Jesus, that guy, Messiah. You know, like he talks about himself in the third person. He joins him up and he says, hey, why are you so sad? He's the only guy who doesn't know what's going on the last few days. Well, tell me, what things? Jesus, the audacity, the, 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 the mirth, the fun. Don't tell me he doesn't have a sense of humor. What things? And they say, you know, we, this Jesus and that, we thought he was a prophet, we thought he was sent from God, and now he's crucified, and, he's, and now they're saying that he's risen from the dead, and Jesus, oh, you foolish and slow of heart and to believe all that is written in Scripture. What Scripture? The Old Testament. They don't have a New Testament. And he's telling them all the Scriptures about himself. And he's talking in the third person like, Jesus, that guy. And finally, at the breaking of the bread, they recognize him. Incredible, incredible. We don't have time for that. I want to get one more verse in. The righteousness of God, apart from the law, it's manifest, it's obvious. And the law and the prophets, they witness, they testify of this. That even the righteousness of God, which is by being a pagan and keeping the rules and being a moralist and being born Jewish. No, none of those things. We've already said none of those things. None, 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 none of those things. The righteousness of God, which is by faith of Jesus Christ unto all and upon all them that believe. There it is. Simple gospel of Jesus Christ. Hey, I, I came to that place of belief in my life. And if you haven't, I, I would pray that you do. It's this easy. I would tell you something. This, this is my prayer when I get saved. Lord, if you're really there and if you really answer prayer and if you really hear me, how, do you, how dare you address the sovereign of the universe that way? And he didn't even call me on it. He didn't, he, he's like, 
He'll figure it out. I'll, 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 I'm going to get inside him. I'm going to work some stuff. He'll, 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 all that stupid, the, the crazy and the stupid, that all, you grow out of it. You know what I mean? All that, the wrong-headedness, the wrong thinking. I, I will tell you this, and me and Susan were talking about this morning. Submit yourself your whole life to God. The part that you reserve is the part you're going to have problems in. Invariably, inevitably. But you seem like you would all be able to figure that out. The righteousness of God, which is by faith of Jesus Christ, unto all and upon all that, them that believe. There is no difference. Circumcision, uncircumcision, Jesus said, I don't care. I'm open to all comers. Pagans, Come on in, the water's fine. What about, what about the moralist, that self-righteous prig that we all can't stand? Come on in, I'm going to work in your life. I'm changing you. Ain't gonna, you're going you're gonna to come in with that. Well, you'll come in with that, but I'm going to make you into... If any man be in Christ, it's a new creation. All things, they'll pass away. All things will become new. I didn't know that. I know that was part of the bargain. All I believed, that's I reached out. I was drowning. I was... I was Going to hell, I knew I was going to hell, and God threw me a life preserver. What do you do? Grab it like a rabbit. Do not wait. Do not even equivocate. Don't try to explain to God why you're good. You're not. He knows it. We should all know it at this point. And just take the righteousness from God, which is comes with faith in Jesus Christ. Upon all Unto all and upon all them that believe. Let's stand, let's, uh, let's pray. Our worship team will come. Send us out of here in song. Lord, you're good, there can be no denying. I was a rascal. You know. What am I telling you, something you don't know? Many of us, Lord, we were, we were ridiculously bad and on the outside looking in. And there's no reason other than your great love why should we should be standing here, new creations, adopted by you, part of your forever family. There's no reason at all except for your great love. We thank you. And Lord, this season, above all seasons, we commemorate the birth of Jesus Christ who came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am chief, and Lord, we bless you. We thank you and we praise you. Now may the Lord bless thee and keep thee. The Lord make his face shine upon thee and be gracious unto thee. The Lord lift up his countenance upon thee and give thee peace. Amen.